0: You ever had that feeling? they like, I don't want to do my job. Yeah. I want to not do my job. Yeah. And then I want to remember to do nothing today. that
1: work glorifies God and you're like,
0: dang it. Well, work can glorify, can glorify God. God. <laughs> let's, let's be clear here. Work can glorify God. It does not always. Was work
1: was work tiresome after the fall? But did, was there like, was, was Adam ever exhausted with work before the fall? You know, you know how like, you know, the, this paradise, everything was good relationship with God and then now you're going to toil by the sweat of your brow right. after sin came into the world. Right. So what was work like so, before?
0: <laughs> in the pre world, world, there, there was no work. There's right. no such thing as work because Adam and Eve had everything in the garden. Everything grew the way that it was supposed to grow. So they can
1: just like pick and eat. Yeah, and like so, he didn't have to cultivate. Well, like so
0: it, the crops? scripture tells us that he was given the garden to cultivate. Yes. Right, but cultivating in that case was was total harmony with everything that was that was there. So so he wasn't It, it wasn't it wasn't work in the way that we would understand work. Right. It was just the very simple act of helping nature to do what it was going to do. Uh, and taking care of all the stuff that was there. With the fall, then they have to work. Right. And that's when work becomes difficult and burdensome. But it, it's sort of that, that, I think it's very trite saying, but if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Lies. Well, <laughs> Lies.
1: I love what I do.
0: <laughs> no, <but> the, <laughs> a- Adam and Eve uh, did not have to work. They were simply in perfect harmony with their entire surroundings, with their entire environment. So no, there there was no work before the fall. They did things that we would probably now look at and say, oh, that sounds like work, except that for them, it was simply natural movement and nothing else. Interesting. Yeah.
1: I also heard or someone contested that Adam and Eve were vegan before the fall. I give you all these plants and fruit as food, and it wasn't until after.
0: We don't hear anything about them using animal product. But they did have dominion over all the creatures of the land.
1: They were pets. I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> they had dominion over them. So if they had dominion over them, that means that they also were able to uh, to use them. But there's a, again, there's a harmonious use. There's a, a way in which this, there's there's a proper ordering of things. Right. Mm-hmm. So if if you like watch a good David Attenborough nature documentary.
1: I was watching one last night, but not David Attenborough. I got stressed.
0: Dave, well, David Attenborough will calm you down. That voice is so soothing.
1: Oh, well, the voice is very soothing. This is a very beautiful British lady who does this. It's this Wild Babies on Netflix. There's a little documentary about, like, babies born in the wild. Let me tell you, I was stressing when there was a hyena going after a baby seal whose mother left him to go find food in the water I because he was born – I was
0: just – hyena? I'm trying to think of where the hyenas. is. Oh, oh, South Africa.
1: Yes, yes. It's, it's yeah, got yeah, like okay. It's got, like, zebra legs. It's really, really cool.
0: I'm just thinking of where, where a hyena would encounter a seal because I normally associate hyenas with like the Serengeti.
1: Right. Well, there's another one. I learned about another hyena. Anyways, this did nature documentary it stressed me out. Like at one point I was covering my eyes because I was like, oh baby elephant, don't die in the water. Make it through the river. <laughs> like I was, I got so anxious. I was like, I knew this is why I didn't want to watch this because it's a beautiful documentary about cute little things, but like cute little things that are on the verge of death at every moment. It was really stressful. <laughs> wow.
0: you You've given a really dark view of nature documentaries.
1: Did you not ever feel like that when you were watching them as a kid?
0: Well, not that not that it's dark, no. There's something there's something really harmonious about it.
1: No, it just I know it's a circle of life. Everything needs to eat.
0: It's the circle. And it's just oh, but
1: it was sorry because I was like it was just really sad. This elephant mom just had her baby. He's not even like two weeks old, and the family is migrating to go find fresh grass. Trying to get through this river, and then they all decide, "Hey, we're going to do it." Then some of their baby, other baby elephants who are a little bit bigger, almost die, and they realize this probably wasn't a smart thing. But the mom had no choice either. She follows the family, stays with the herd, or she risks being by herself. In other words, which just would kind of lead to certain death for her and her child. Right. So she has to follow the she has to follow the family. And then I, I didn't realize that elephants have a gestation period of two years. So imagine like just being pregnant for two years and then automatically losing your baby to the river, all of that time. And I was, I got really into it and then I had to pause it because I was getting really anxious. Yeah.
0: There's a lot of emotion attached to that. There's so I think, many emotions. I think I speak for everyone and say the only nature documentary that ever, that ever kind of struck that kind of emotional chord was the penguins one that, uh, I that, never watched it. Yeah. That, that, um, uh, why can't I think of his name now? Morgan Freeman. Narrated. Oh, we love
1: Morgan Freeman's yeah.
0: voice. He's got this fantastic voice narrating about penguins and how they take care of their eggs and everything. It's just mm-hmm. it's beautiful. Very, very beautiful documentary.
1: Life is life is sacred. Life is very...
0: You see the beauty of it then. You see you the know? beauty of it's it. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's yeah, very there's, stressful. there's a gift there.
1: Yeah. So anyways.
0: Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else to tell you. I, I really don't.
1: I just I'm thinking something about Adam and Eve and like life before.
0: So this is an interesting area. If you wanted to, you could spend a lot of time speculating. Yes. And the unfortunate part is that's all we can do. When it comes to the Garden of Eden and what Adam and Eve did in the in the garden, how long they were in the garden, what was the duration of that paradise before before the fall? Mm-hmm. How quickly did did man cave into the temptations? We don't know. We don't know how long it, it was. It's not. It's something that's not included in the scripture.
1: Right. We're not supposed to know the time because time is not.
0: No, because if, if you look at really any of the ancient world mythologies, mm-hmm. they're trying to explain why something is. Right. Uh, and to give you a sense that this this these are the things that happened. And so there's a symbolic value in all of these different things. Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing is true with, the, with our creation stories, that it's meant to tell us that Sin exists in the world. Mm-hmm. The reason that the human condition is fallen, the reason that we have to work, the reason that there are pains, the reason that there's all this stuff and division so often in our in our interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm. it's because of sin. Uh, it Just doesn't necessarily time. mean to tell us that everything in, in the Garden of Eden was was like this for a period of this much time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ten years, a hundred years. We, we don't know. Noah lived to 480 years. I love Tell us the significance
1: ages. of age in the Bible. Oh,
0: I actually don't know. Really? Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I'm sure I learned it at one point and it's it's not it wasn't an important enough fact for me to file away for very long. Okay. Um I think the the idea is the speculation that I've always remembered is that in the Old Testament, those early stories in Genesis, mm-hmm. you you hear about these ages that are hundreds of years old. Yeah this person lived so many hundreds of years, but gradually it decreases. Right. So gradually the lifespan decreases, but at corresponding to that decrease in lifespan, you'll see, as you read Genesis, a uh, an increase of sin. Yes. So as sin increases, and as, as people become more and more sinful, I think that's also another way of trying to explain yeah. the lifespan. That makes sense. You know, This is why people live this long. Uh,
1: I thought it was a measurement of someone's righteousness. I'm kidding. That could be. But it could very well be.
0: It's like this is an important figure.
1: This is he lived this many years because he was a very righteous
0: person. I'm fine saying that. All right, cool. I think that counts.
1: All right, that was one that I had heard. Just kind of pay attention. It's kind of just to get your attention with to this person and yeah. yeah. And if someone you can kind of emulate.
0: There's a lot of those those pay attention moments in scripture. Right. So anytime Jesus says, "Amen, Amen," I say to you, mm-hmm. it, "It's listen up. This is an important thing that's about to mm-hmm. that's about to be said." Mm-hmm. Um, anytime you get to the end of something and they talk about someone's death and who succeeded them, yeah. like, pay attention because this is a transition moment. This is a, a vital moment for the life of of Israel or for for these people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very powerful stuff.
1: That's really cool.
0: Yeah, you see it again and again.
1: So what's on your mind? <laughs>
0: My mind not is a complete blank, and no, I'm not going to talk about baseball.
1: Thank goodness. The Mets
0: split a doubleheader with the Cardinals yesterday, um, but that's, that's that's all I can that's say. That's all
1: you're going to say. That's
0: all I'm going to say. Okay, that's yeah, good. That's all I'm going to say. I think what's on my mind right now is uh, the need for priestly vocations. Mm. Our, our need for priests. Our need for priests. Um, I think this is this has been the thing probably weighing on me the most, uh, as I'm just looking ahead at the at the summer. And it's it's gonna be good. We're gonna have a good summer. There's there's lots of there's a lot to do this summer. Man. Yeah, like it never stops. It never slows down. Uh, but looking at looking ahead at the summer and realizing, all right, there's there's gonna be a, a few times when uh, both of my resident priests are gonna be away, mm-hmm. and there's there's no there is no associate on the horizon for me, mm. no full-time priest coming to assist in the parish on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Would love it if there was. You start to realize like just the need for priestly vocations. And also I think there, there's a, 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 I don't know exactly what the right phrase is for this, but the, like we need vocations to the priesthood. Yeah, We need men to say yes to being, to being priests. That's, that's absolutely it. But we also have to, I think as a, as a whole community, because vocations come out of the community, Mm -hmm. right? And when vocations come out of the community, it it comes from a place that supports them and that, that fosters them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I, I was telling you before about, um, growing up at, St James in Stratford mm-hmm. and the community there and and how different things kind of really really flowed out of it when uh, Emily our, our youth minister this weekend was talking about getting adults to join the adult core team for for youth ministry i talked about how it was an adult core team member who asked me if i'd ever thought about the priesthood yeah and that was one of the first people who ever asked me that
1: mm. um, before
0: a priest ever said anything to me mm-hmm. uh, it was it was this adult core team member who who asked so th- The importance of the community in raising up vocations Mm -hmm. first of all that every vocation comes from a family yeah Uh, every priest comes from a family and we don't we don't grow on trees (laughs) We, we don't just fall from the sky and then up here we don't spawn on the floor of the church you know in the middle of the night and then suddenly hey there's a new priest here this is great no we we come from somewhere we come from we come from a family and we come from a community and so when a community has really fostered uh, that sense of, of belonging and everything for this young man, for this, for these people that, mm-hmm. that all of this is able to happen, a, a vocation of the priesthood is really able to take root. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that I got to thinking was, right, here we are in, in a time in the life of the church when uh, we need to make some adjustments. Yeah. And, you know, one of the adjustments I think is, is the idea of mass and when we go to mass. We've... Gotten used to having so many options for mass that we go whenever we feel like it, mm. not when mass is available. Mm. And this is a hard one. Ooh, it's a hard that one. That hit
1: me. Yeah. <laughs> Someone yesterday was because I'm gonna, we're gonna meet some people, um, gather on Sunday. I'm like, what mass do you go to? I was like, mm, I go for the 12 o'clock. <laughs> Cause I like to sleep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so. No, and and I, I understand, you know, so the the, the convenience of mass yeah. has become something that we're really that we're really used to. Interesting. But there are places and uh, places in our own country where th- there are mass times uh, that we would look at and say that's that's not very convenient. But the the reason that those mass times are what they are is because you know you've got such a small number of people who can actually get there. Uh, you're out in the middle of nowhere. God bless you. <laughs> Good, I have yeah. to sneeze. <laughs> you've, got these, you've got people who are are far from their church. Yeah. And so the Mass time has to be set in such a way that people have time to actually get there.
1: Especially if they're driving like yeah. 40 minutes to get to Mass.
0: But, but often that means that you have a priest who's also driving a, a distance to get there or yeah. who has to drive from that Mass to another Mass mm-hmm. uh, that's also a distance away, maybe an hour or more. Mm. So the, the timing of, of Mass can be a, a challenging one. And you look at you look at most parishes, I remember seeing a priest who had done a study of his diocese. Um, I don't remember what diocese he was from, but in this study he had calculated the total number of seats available per mass in his diocese. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how he figured it out, but he counted the total number of seats available for all the parishes at all the masses. My so if you have a church that seats 500 people, right? So he's got his, his church with 500 people. Uh, and he counts up all the all the masses. So that means that over the course of of one Sunday, there are, let's say two thousand seats available.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's got a, b- a bunch of masses. If there's two thousand seats available, how many seats are occupied? And he's found that on a given Sunday of the seats available for mass in in their parishes, um, not quite fifty percent of the seats were taken. Mm-hmm. But then he he spread it out over the course of, of the masses and the number of masses that they had. And it showed that the number of masses they had was just disproportionate to the number of people they had actually coming. Wow. And that most places could fill every seat if instead of having four masses, they had two masses. Wow. They could have two masses that were completely full Yeah. instead of four masses that were half empty or five masses that were... Empty. Wow. And I thought that was a really interesting thing. And Mm. what he was what he was doing was saying, in part this is it's it's partially the the fall off of practice, Mm -hmm. which is a disappointment. And I don't know that I have the solution for it. Mm -hmm. It's a I think an ongoing question. But partly it was we've gotten so used to the mass of convenience. And part of the reason for the mass of convenience that we're gonna have all these masses Mm -hmm. is because once upon a time you had in your parishes, two, three, and even four priests. And every priest had to say mass. So you make sure that there's a mass that every priest can say. Wow. And then people get used to we have all these masses because there are so many priests at each parish. And in parishes that didn't have two, three, or four (laughs) priests, they only had a a smaller number of masses.
1: Hmm.
0: So we now have a system in which Many parishes are one priest assigned to the parish Mm -hmm. and uh, the priests who are are residents or who are available on Sundays to cover masses uh, might be pulled in many different directions. Like for example, this coming weekend, Father Silva is getting pulled uh, to go and cover at at another parish uh, for at least one mass. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's covering a mass for me here, which Mm -hmm. I'm very grateful for, Uh, but he's got to, we had to rearrange our schedule a little bit so that he would have the freedom to go and do that mass somewhere else. Wow. Right, I'm ha- I'm happy that that we can do that, that we can make that happen. Uh, and there's another parish that needs a mass said.
1: Mm-hmm. Is,
0: that's how it goes, right? And we've got, we've got to pull together. Like we so priests like, have to make sure that we're taking care of each other and and helping out with that.
1: So because of this, would you say you're favorable to, kind of, if the church were to close some churches in order for there to be enough priests for the current situation that we're in, or if there's another way around
0: it, I would love it if there was another way around it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I think the first step before we have to worry about closing churches or anything like that, I think Mm -hmm. the first step is to say, um, let's as a community, because the first response needs to be communal.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I think that's an important piece that if we can all together make a response and then start working on an administrative level to see what, what needs to happen. Um, if, if we were able to say, all right, all together, we're going to, as a community of believers, mm-hmm. we're going to adjust the time when we worship so that it's not going to be just about when it's convenient, right but it's also going to be, uh, we might not have as many opportunities. Mm-hmm. We will still have opportunities, mm-hmm. but that means that we're going to have to maybe get up earlier in order to meet that opportunity mm-hmm. or adjust our schedule so that we can make that that particular thing happen okay um and i think the the first thing is to like make this a communal effort yeah all of us together we're pulling in the same direction we want our churches to thrive right but here's the thing the law of the church is also really clear that a priest on sunday is only supposed to say two masses and when there's a need the bishop can give permission for for a third mass um what that means is that a parish that has four masses on sunday if suddenly the priest finds himself without coverage or without help He's got to call the bishop and ask for permission to cover all the masses that day. Wow. Right? And and there's a reason that a priest is only limited in the number of masses they can say. Why is that? So the, the number of masses that a priest can say is one per day, mm-hmm. except in cases of pastoral necessity. So for example, mm-hmm. uh, if I had a mass and then I had a funeral, mm-hmm. I can I can celebrate the funeral mass. That's, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a pastoral necessity to take care of this grieving family and to pray for the dead. Right. Great. Of course, on Sundays the priest can say two masses, and a third in case of pastoral necessity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, a uh, on the feast of All Souls, a priest can say three masses.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: universally has has permission to say three masses. Okay. Um, and so the reason for that is is manifold, right? It's a there there are many reasons for it. First, what had become a practice. Uh, many centuries ago was that people would would basically pay a priest to say mass for them and to essentially spend his day saying mass mass after mass after mass so they would have as many masses as possible said for their intentions wow now, what that leads to is sort of a superstitious view of mass. Yeah. That mass is like this is if you do this, then you're saying the magic words, and those magic words will cover me and yeah. I'll get what I want. Yeah. Um, or that mass is somehow going to take care of me and I don't have to worry about my own moral life. Mm-hmm. So I can do whatever I want so long as I've got this priest over in the closet saying mass for me. Mm-hmm. And that was essentially what it was. Like the priest was just off in this little side chapel, just <laughs> saying mass after mass after mass all day long. <laughs> so there's a beauty to the gift of the Eucharist. Yes. Right. And and the Mass should be celebrated, yeah. and the priest should be celebrating mass every day. These are good things. These mm-hmm. are necessary things. But this this sort of uh, attachment to the mass came in that said that all right, we're gonna we're gonna do this. So one of the reasons that the church started to regulate that was so that a priest would not be spending all of his time only celebrating the mass, mm-hmm. because of course the priest is also meant to minister in other ways to the needs of the people. Mm-hmm. The mass is one of the primary ways that a priest ministers to the needs of the people, but it's not the only way. Right. Right. So that was that was one part. The other part was that priest people were paying the priest to say the mass. So the law says that a priest may only receive a stipend for one mass on a given day. So if I say mass and I have to say two masses, mm-hmm. I can only receive a stipend for one. For one, one of mass. Them. Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay.
0: Now, if someone wants to give me a gift, right? Separately,
1: mm-hmm.
0: just as a gift, mm-hmm. they, I'm allowed to take gifts. <laughs> you know? but a stipend, properly speaking, is sort of the it's the the acknowledgement that I have requested to have this mass said. Mm-hmm. That's why when you go into church and you ask for a mass card, they usually say ten dollars, right? Because it's to say I I'm acknowledging the that I'm I'm having this mass said, mm-hmm. and basically the the stipend is meant not so much to go into the priest's pocket, but to be used for his charitable work. Mm. So like the stipend income that most priests get, uh, that's what we use to like give to charities. That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Wow. So a priest
0: is only supposed to do that because he's not supposed to be taking stipend after stipend after stipend.
1: Right, right. It's not
0: allowed. The other part, and the other reason that the church limits it is because familiarity breeds contempt. Hmm. So think about doing something over and over and over again. After a while, you're going <laughs> to rush like through that. something. So you're you're going to if you're saying yeah. mass uh, after a while, if you have too many masses, you're going to rush through it.
1: Yeah, you're not going to really.
0: And your heart isn't isn't there.
1: Isn't there? Yeah.
0: And the the priest is meant to be. In the person of Christ. Mm-hmm. The priest is meant to be an intercessor on behalf of the people. Mm-hmm. The priest is meant to keep in mind and in his heart what it is that he's praying for, who it is that he's praying for during the Mass. Yeah. So if that happens and a, and a priest is, is kind of saddled with a large number of Masses, it becomes really difficult for him to keep his focus mm-hmm. and to stay reverent while he celebrates Mass. Mm. All right, so that's another reason that the priest is not supposed to say more than uh, one mass a day, two masses in case of pastoral necessity, mm-hmm. um, or or three masses in the case of a Sunday. It totally when, when makes sense, though. Yeah.
1: Um, as you're talking, we're kind of talking about the state of the church with not enough vocations. Do you remember that Life Team conference we both went to, and then there was a woman who came up and said, there's no shortage of vocations, like God is always calling, it's just not enough people, not enough men have been cultivated to listen. Yeah.
0: That's that, it's, that's 100% true.
1: And it it just as you're as you're talking I ended up watching another video yesterday where there was um Father Rob Galea, he was saying the same thing. He was my mother cultivated my vocation when I was in a place of sin and it was her prayers. Yeah. people on their hands and like on their knees praying that allowed me to say yes to God. And so hearing that vocations are bred and cultivated through community and that's why as a community we pray for vocations because we we cultivate it. That's the way that we can like help yeah. souls begin to listen. And as I think about what's happening here at St. Pius and the different vocations that have been coming up. Like really, really beautiful. Yeah. You know, it just Shannon leaving in a couple of days to be a cloistered nun. Isn't
0: like, it great? It's amazing. It's
1: it's just ah it's so crazy. Yeah. But her her two and a half years here helped her, gave her the space to hear God's call. Yeah. God had always called her, but, you know, her being a part of the young adult group and then
0: kind of. She need, sh- she needed that place and that community that would support her and. Right. And, and let her, let her listen. Yes. And we're so fortunate to have that. Yeah. So there's, there's a beauty to it. You know, another part of it is vocations are inspired by other vocations.
1: Yes.
0: Right. So it's priests in my own life who helped me to know what a priest is Mm -hmm. and to see what a priest does and then to want to do it myself. Mm -hmm. Um, it was married people who then also showed me what fatherhood, motherhood is all about, Mm -hmm. what marriage is about and helped me to see and understand my own call Mm -hmm. and how that call is Mm complementary. So my call to priesthood is complementary to the vocation to, to marriage. Um, marriage fosters vocations to priesthood and religious life in, in a really beautiful, again, I have a cool going, going back to that pre Eden. <laughs> it's, it's harmony. Yes. There's harmony. Yeah. And, and we, we work together on all of this.
1: So when I was discerning religious life, this has to do with what you just said, for sure. I'm not going all the way on the tangent. Uh, there was a moment while I was on the come and see retreat. It was a four day retreat with the sisters of life. Um, And by the second day, God had already told me my vocation, so I was like, what do I do for the rest of this retreat? Just kind of sit in the glory and and just take in the beauty of religious life Mm -hmm. and just really, I'm like, Jesus, I want that. And he's like... No, um, but what was really astounding was at one point I was, I was sitting while the sisters were gathering and this was, um, it was community time. So they were doing one of their games. And when you just see the sisters of life playing a game, it's, it's really, they're just so joyful about everything. (laughs) And it's like, wow this is a really silly game, but you made it really, really fun. And I was just hanging out in the back, just kind of sitting there and a moment of grace fell upon me where I realized that, um, the vocation that God was calling me to the vocation to the married life was not mutually exclusive from religious life. And in, in, in my being, I sensed and I felt that the graces that I would receive in, you know, when that happens, like the sacrament of marriage, flow back into the like the spaces of religious orders and then the graces that they receive in their religious life kind of flows back into me. So but then what was more beautiful was to see that we were Jesus is the vine and these vocations are the branches like we are we are from the same vine. Hmm. And just to see how all of that kind of it flows into each other. And I was telling this to one of the sisters who ended up praying for me that entire weekend. So we couldn't talk to him. I couldn't talk to this particular sister until the end of that week. Okay. And as I was talking to Sister Josephine Rose, so Sister Josephine Rose, Sister jo Ro. um, I was telling her about this experience and then she starts weeping and she said, Paula, I just read that this morning about how the graces received in religious life pour out into the vocations of married people. Yeah. And it was such a confirmation of like what God had given me in like just that, awesome. just that moment of like prayer and just being, and yeah. then her coming in and just saying that. And it's like, wow, that's, you, what we're saying, too, is we're saying yes to Jesus. That is the, the first thing that was very clear. It's just, you know, to not be a religious doesn't mean it's anything less than the call that Jesus has for my life.
0: No, you you, you you say yes to the call that Jesus has placed in your heart. Right. And that's the call that he gave to you. I mean, that's we see it actually in the gospel, at the very end of John's gospel, right? Uh, Peter's walking along with Jesus, and he looks behind, them and he sees John following after them. And he says, what about him? And he says, don't worry about him. you have this job. So your job is to go and do this. Don't worry about what he's going to be called to do. Mm -hmm. And in in so many beautiful ways, God wants to specifically work in our lives. Right. Like, so, you individually, he's called you to something. So, he's got a, a particular mission for you. And your mission is going to be complementary to somebody else. But don't compare yours to right, somebody else. Because, right. Like, you not being called to religious life doesn't mean that you did something bad mm-hmm. or that your vocation is less than.
1: Yes. I mean, right? my, mine, on the other hand, was I looked at religious life as like the highest. And it is a it is highest.
0: Yeah. So, when, when we talk theologically, we yeah. speak about religious life and priesthood as. The theologically the highest, mm-hmm. but that, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily the best. It's a theological thing in that priesthood and religious life are meant to reflect the eschatological reality of heaven, of heaven yeah. and union with God exclusively, yeah. right? Not union with another person.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's what they're meant to, to demonstrate. Mm-hmm. We don't always do a good job of demonstrating that in our lives as priests or as religious, right? Um, so it's not necessarily that I am better than, mm-hmm. but theologically speaking, this vocation is higher. Right. But that's on a theological level. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it, and that can get dangerous to say, because people just hear higher and they get upset. <laughs> they do. Like, no, no. no. <laughs> in no way am I denigrating any other vocation. No, it's not. No, no. And, and God so God, in His goodness, calls us in a variety of ways. He does.
1: And so to see that complementarity between like the married state and the religious life yeah. and the priesthood, like how beautiful it is, but also. How beautiful it is that for for a family to to raise children and um, with the potential to cultivate priests and religious yeah like that and it just it flows right into each other it's just it's so amazing right. it is, it is incredible
0: yeah so if you look at then uh, the way that we that we structure our, our parish lives right the the complementarity of the priest and his people mm-hmm. is really meant to thrive and and to be seen the priest in service to his people has the first responsibility of bringing the sacraments to the people mm-hmm. celebrating the sacraments with and for the people of god celebrating the church's liturgy with and for the people and then from there to minister to their needs in whatever other ways it is necessary mm-hmm. but first and foremost to celebrate those those sacraments with with the people and to help them to, to live them well and to live in that grace and to help them to cultivate that grace. All right, so if a priest has to celebrate more than three Masses in a day, what's going to happen? The way that he celebrates Mass is going to become irreverent, mm. sloppy. He might forget something. Because mm-hmm. I don't know that, that people realize what celebrating multiple Masses in a day does physically to you. Oh, I remember and mentally I, and emotionally. I, I,
1: there was a period about it two years or something or maybe a year ago. I looked at you and you looked so dead. Yeah. Like you weren't like you're there, but you weren't there.
0: Yeah. Cause the, the, the investment of energy yeah. that has to be given to celebrating the mass.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, we're literally calling down the power of God <laughs> to transform bread and wine into the body, blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. Yeah. there is, An actual physical toll that that takes on you now Mm. it's not the same as you know getting out and digging ditches or something like that Mm -hmm. it's not the same kind of work but it is a a type of of work Mm -hmm. giving a homily however long that homily might be uh, giving a homily the type of work and it requires something so if a priest has to say multiple masses and preach multiple homilies over the course of, of a weekend Uh, it's a lot, and Mm. it takes a lot out of them. Then think, after Masses are over on Sunday, what do we have? Baptisms. And then what else do we have on Sunday? Mm. Youth ministry. Mm -hmm. We've got other things going on that require our attention. So one of the things that I've been thinking about is, first of all, that that any kind of discussion about Masses and the number of Masses that we have, I think, really does need to be as as communal as possible. Mm -hmm. But with an understanding that there's only so much that a priest can do and that the priest is actually limited by the church's authority, mm. precisely so that the priest doesn't end up abusing his his gift of of priestly ministry, mm-hmm. uh, precisely also so that the people don't abuse the gift of priestly ministry. yeah. And so that we can have a proper understanding of how all together we have to we have to work. now, in a in a town like ours, i I tend to think that we're slightly overplanted at this point. Mm. maybe, maybe too many churches. I agree. for but. for not not a large enough population, <laughs> right. Um, once upon a, in the United States is interesting in this regard because the reason for many of our parishes was that when immigrants came, they needed their own sort of ethnic enclave, mm-hmm. uh, and so they would they would come in and they would have their they'd have a Catholic church with a priest from their country, mm-hmm. uh, whatever country that might be. So you have the old Italian parish, the old Irish parish, a French parish, uh, a Portuguese parish, and they're all within a, a block of each other. Like I, I actually know if we, of a town where a friend of mine is, is a pastor, and if you stand on the front steps of his church and look to the left, you can see the front steps of the next parish over.
1: No way. Yeah. What?
0: In fact, both churches are on the town green. Two Catholic churches within spitting distance of each other
1: what was it what were they for and
0: so it was two different ethnic groups
1: wow
0: and so the the ministry that was necessary they they needed a priest who spoke italian they needed a priest who was was Mm. not an italian speaker at this other parish you know Yeah. but as those as those cultures sort of assimilated yeah and then the need for a specific thing disappeared you then had multiple churches well, then we also tried to keep all the multiple churches going in exactly the same way that they had always functioned. Uh, but then you'd have populations moving
1: mm-hmm. new and populations new populations coming, coming in. in. Yeah.
0: And so sometimes you'd see like an old Irish parish is now a Spanish-speaking parish.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and that might be Spanish speakers from multiple different countries, Yeah. right? Yeah. So you don't necessarily have one <clears throat> culture. You have one language, mm. uh, but multiple different cultures. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might see in some places that they've tried to keep the same the same schedule that they've always had and they used to have this many priests now they only have this many priests mm. and that schedule becomes a little bit more more difficult but if we started talking about all right can we all make adjustments in in our lives understanding that sometimes we have to make those adjustments if we're going to stay strong yeah if we're going to stay strong or or even build something so that we can be stronger right Cause that's part of the, the beauty of it too.
1: Because you're not you don't want to be spread so thin you can't actually function.
0: Yeah, and, and also the mission of the church needs yeah, to continue. It does. And one of the ways that the mission of the church continues is when we make those necessary adjustments.
1: It's in scripture. Like there needs to be some pruning in order for there to be new growth. Right. Jesus
0: says so. Exactly. Just do what Jesus says. <laughs> so what's been on my mind a lot is like, what if we what if we as a whole just kind of looked at our, our mass schedules? And not just our parish but every parish in the area Mm -hmm. if we all looked at our mass schedules and said instead of some of us have exactly the same schedule Uh, yes the times for our masses are identical the same yeah what if we said instead we're going to uh, change the schedule so that we don't have so many masses
1: so that it's more harmonious
0: yeah But instead of having so many masses, we're going to shift so that our masses are staggered Mm. so that in town you could have multiple different churches celebrating masses at different times instead Mm -hmm. of all having basically the same schedule. Mm -hmm. So instead of 7.30, 9, 10.30, and and noon, and every church having that as their their basic schedule, Mm -hmm. what if you had one church with a 7 o'clock, another church with a 7.30, another church with an 8, another church with a 9, another church with a 10? Ten thirty, 30, eleven and a noon. And you hmm. could spread that out over multiple churches. It sounds
1: like you have the next topic for your next deanery meeting.
0: <laughs> I don't want to talk about deanery meetings. <laughs> I'll say something uncharitable. <laughs> but what if we we rearranged our schedule in that wow. way? Then the parishes are collaborating. We're working together. Yeah, we're trying now, the only downside I see to that, right is number one, this would mean everybody's adjusting. so everybody's on 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 board. That's a good thing. But the downside I see is that we're not getting rid of, or we're not addressing, maybe that's the better word, we are not addressing the issue of mass for convenience. Mm. The idea of the mass of convenience is.
1: Why? Okay. Why do we have a 515? Like, why do we have a 515 on Saturday? Where did the Saturday vigil start? I know it has Jewish roots.
0: Right so in the in the whole life of, of the church we've always recognized the night before a feast mm-hmm. to be a vigil yeah so the idea of having a vigil uh, before before this feast and and on Sundays in particular, every Sunday throughout the the entire year has uh, evening prayer one yes. anticipating the Sunday mm-hmm. and evening prayer two on the Sunday itself mm-hmm. right So the idea of, of keeping vigil has always been part of the church's liturgy always-hmm but the idea of the anticipated mass and that's actually the more proper way to describe it the anticipated mass so this would be a mass that fulfills the obligation mm-hmm. to attend mass so the obligation to assist at mass either on the day itself mm-hmm. um, of, a, of a feast or on sunday uh, can be anticipated by a mass celebrated at a particular time the night before <laughs> That really came only after the Second Vatican Council.
1: No way. Yeah. Wow. And, and the
0: purpose of the anticipated mass was acknowledging that there were people who, because of the type of work that they did, had to work on Sunday. Wow. So because of the, their job, uh, they had to be at work. They are police officers, firefighters. Wow. Uh, they were doctors, nurses. They were people who, for the nature of their work, required their presence right. at work on Sunday, which would preclude them from going to Mass. Wow! And so the evening Mass on Saturday was instituted to provide, it was a pastoral care move, Yeah. to provide them with the opportunity to get to Mass and to fulfill their obligation without losing their contact with the life of the parish. Wow. Yeah. It was also meant for travelers. Mm. If people had to had to be on the road mm-hmm. uh, so that they could continue their travels mm-hmm. and continue their travels in peace, uh, the the anticipated mass was was instituted. Now, what ended up happening was the anticipated mass just became something that people went to every week. Yeah, traveling or not working or not just became a thing that everybody does.
1: right
0: so if I think that that would be a worthwhile discussion. To kind of revisit the idea, but that's at a much higher level.
1: Oh yes, definitely not at this parish level.
0: No, it's it's not a parish level. It's, <laughs> not, a de- real, it's not even a diocesan it's a level. The church level. Yeah, that that's something that like the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops would have to discuss.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Because have I ever the... change the possibility. Um, speculation. We're all speculating today. This is yeah today. speculation. Cat hair. I'm kidding.
0: No, beard hair. Beard <laughs> hair got in my mouth. It's gross. Um. I think it would certainly be a conversation. And if ever there was to be some kind of restructuring, so I saw at a, at a parish in Pennsylvania that merged with another parish, uh, only one has a, a vigil mass. So there's one anticipated mass, and then there's a few Sunday masses at, at both places. Oh, okay. But only one of them has the anticipated mass. So if you need to get to the mass on Saturday, you go to this church. Mm-hmm. If you need to go to mass on Sunday, you go to either of these churches. hmm and it's not any real hardship in, mm-hmm. in terms of driving or distance or anything like that. Mm-hmm. People are able to get there, and it's, it's not a big deal. Um, and that's another another part of it is the, the convenience. Well, once upon a time, if you had people living in small neighborhoods, walkable neighborhoods, yeah. especially in big cities, mm-hmm. uh, to, to go multiple blocks could actually be somewhat of a hardship because of the way that traffic worked, because mm-hmm. you'd have to walk a certain distance. So having a church close by meant that you could kind of stay in your in your neighborhood the reality is that now people drive to whatever church they want to go to. It's true. You know, even if it's not technically their parish right. geographically, because a parish is a geographical function. Right. Uh, and so if there's, if, if, if that's happening, uh, maybe we, I think we need to revisit our attitude towards mass when it's convenient mm-hmm. and understand mass more as the foundation of my day. Mm. And that that's one of the hard things to, to communicate well. Mass has to be the, the reason for Sunday. And then everything else about Sunday follows mass.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Everything else about the day is going to be built around when I get to mass. Mm-hmm. Now, if that means I need to change my mass time, as long as mass is my first priority, mm-hmm. I can feel pretty confident about doing other things. Right. But when worshiping God, praying together as a family, praying with my community is my number one priority, right. uh, then everything else is is going to be easy. And if we're really honest mass doesn't preclude anything now this is there's a whole other thing of like i I wish that our schools and our sports leagues would would stop scheduling things on sundays and give people a day yeah just give people a day off and i think more and more and more what we're seeing is it's worse we we don't we don't do well pausing as as a society no not at all right and so that's a whole thing people
1: are so tired yeah
0: but if sunday is no longer regarded as a sacred day For religious reasons by many people then why should we stop and and take a day off we can we can just use every single day of the week Mm -hmm. but those end up not being real days off they end Mm -hmm. up being days where we're working it's just that we're not working at our job we're working at other stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, but when you have mass as part of that day Mm -hmm. it's at least an hour where we're not doing any work yeah And, and not even really most of the time it's not even an hour (laughs)
1: <laughs> we're talking, we're talking like <laughs> you're, to, you're talking you're like talking
0: like take 45 47 minutes, minutes. Yeah, take 47 <laughs> minutes of your day can you not can you not spare 47 minutes today to not be on the field or on the course or or not cutting your grass or painting your house like take 40 I'm telling you just take a 47 minute break just come here be here go have go have breakfast with your family afterwards like it's it's a good thing that's another thing i have no idea what humans do on sunday 14 years as a priest I no longer know what humans do on Sunday. Wow. Because when people are on their way to their next thing like they come to mass, all right now as a family we're going to we're going to go have breakfast. Yeah. We're going we're going to brunch. We're going yeah. to do this thing. I got invited by a family uh, to come for Sunday dinner uh, a while back. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, I, I'll be able to get there at this time because I had baptisms. I had a pre-Cana meeting, mm-hmm. a marriage prep and stuff. So I had all these other things that I had to do on Sunday. So right. I won't be able to get there until this time. He goes, no no problem, just just come. We'll, we'll make sure that there's food for you. So I got there, and this family, it was actually a few families, it was uh, some brothers, they had been—they'd uh, gone to Mass, all the families all together, then all the cousins, all the, all the uncles and aunts and everything, they all got together, grandparents were there, and they had a big Sunday dinner. And that was their whole afternoon. The kids were running around playing outside. That's cool. And then they came back in and there was just food and more food. And that's how they spent their Sunday. I'm thinking to myself, in the time that you guys were here, I had three meetings. <laughs> I started to think, I need to learn how to do the Sabbath. Mm. I need to learn how to do Sunday.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Because for
0: for priests, Sunday is is not, it's Sabbath. not Sabbath. It's not a day. day. It's not a day of rest for us. Right. Um, now it, it, we are obliged to do the things that we do on Sunday. It's part of our ministry. Right. And um, even in the Old Testament, a a uh, a priest who carried out his priestly functions on the Sabbath did not violate the Sabbath rest because he was mm. carrying out his priestly functions. Mm-hmm. So I know that I'm I know that I'm covered legally. <laughs> And I like that. <laughs> I, I do appreciate that. But this this gets me thinking back. Okay, so if, if we're talking about like mass times and, and all that stuff, what if we had fewer masses and more people were able to come to each mass?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It'd be the same number, I think, ultimately of people coming to mass. It would
1: be, yeah.
0: It would just be that each mass might look a little bit bigger because there'd be only, instead of four masses, let's say three masses.
1: That's kind of nice.
0: The other part then, vocations come from a community, right? Yeah. And vocations are inspired by contact, they're inspired by contact with the person who's living out that vocation. If there's fewer masses, there can be more time in between masses for the community to gather Mm -hmm. Uh, for that time of, of socializing and talking. There can be more time for the priest to have a conversation because if I've got back to back masses, I don't like my time spent at the door. At the end of mass, I like to be able to greet people. But if I've got another mass right away that I have to go get ready for, Mm -hmm. I want to go and get ready for mass. Mm -hmm. Probably because I have to pee, but (laughs) if we're being real honest, like I want to go get ready for the next mass. Mm. And that means that I can't stand at the door and talk to people. But that means less time to actually be with the community, Mm -hmm. which means that the more masses there are, the less time the priest actually has to be with the people. Pope Francis is always telling us that the priest has to, the shepherd like has the to smell, smell like the sheep, sheep yeah. right? So the the priest has to be in and among among the people. Well, the more masses there are, the more I have to run back to the sacristy and get ready for the next mass. The more right. I have to make sure that everything is reset and prepared for the for the next mass. And the harder it is for me to actually stay with people and talk with them and, and kind of enter into their experiences and, and their concerns.
1: Yeah, and, and that shared life.
0: Right. Yeah. The other part then would happen is, all right, if there's fewer Masses on a Sunday, that frees me up more, gives me a little bit more time each day where I can actually be available mm-hmm. and where I can be available to people uh, to go and make a home visit. This past Sunday, I got to go and visit a man at, at his house. Uh, who's He's very sick, and I was able to bring him communion. And to be able to do that on a Sunday
1: Oh my gosh. is something
0: unheard of for me. Right. But the way that the day worked out, I actually had the time wow. in that afternoon to go and bring this man communion on a Sunday. Now, he would have been happy to receive it on Monday too, but I was able to go on Sunday and give him 20 minutes of the Lord's day. Mm-hmm. I went, went and sat with him. We had a nice conversation, mm-hmm. we prayed together. I gave him communion and I left. Mm-hmm. It wasn't long. It wasn't anything big, but it was on a Sunday and there was something special about that.
1: There was, yeah.
0: Some, something really, really beautiful. So th- there's there's this need, I think. We, we've got to, like, as a community, just recognize that, all right, do we need every single Mass? That we not, and this is, this is the other part that sounds really terrible because Mass, the Eucharist is the source and summit of the faith. It's Vatican II teaches us. Mm-hmm. The Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. The Mass is the highest expression of the Church's prayer. Mm. So this is something really important and vital. And so when you say, do we need all these masses? Well, we need every mass. We do. We absolutely do. So there, there, it's it's not about whether or not we need mass mm-hmm. or we need this many masses. We we do. I wish that we that we could that we could do it, but there also has to be a, a realization of what we are capable of, what can be done, and there's the practical necessity. So the spiritual mm-hmm. necessity of mass cannot be overstated, mm-hmm. but the practical necessity of mass is not always there. Mm. it's not always necessary to have a mass at this time. I was uh, at one time I was at a parish and we had a, a mass at 7.45 a.m. every day that was attended by five people. Oh my gosh,
1: oh, you did tell me this. And there
0: was a second mass in the day that was usually attended by 10 people. It's two one masses In a church that sat 350 people.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: There were two masses each day attended by a total of 15 people. And he goes, this this might not be the the best use of of the mass. This might not be the best way to schedule mass. And mm-hmm. it's not that there's not grace flowing, and that people aren't genuinely praying. They they really are. Oh yeah, they totally that, are. Yeah, one of the people who attended mass attended both masses.
1: Oh my gosh,
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> it was coming to mass twice a day. Which which you're allowed to do. There's beautiful <laughs> devotion. I'm not. It's not a it's not a criticism at all. But like, right. w- what are we doing then? I mean, and why are we why are we saying so many masses? Mm-hmm. Um. And do we not then potentially create the idea that mass isn't that important or mass is something kind of routine and we just do it. And mm. we, and sometimes then we forget the beauty of mass. Now in the Eastern <laughs> rites and like the Byzantine churches, uh, they don't celebrate daily mass. Oh, they don't? No, the divine liturgy is only on Sunday. They wow. have they have a, a particular liturgy for each day of the week. Okay. But the, the divine liturgy, like a which liturgy of is what they call the hours. Mass, something like that, yeah. Okay. Um Okay the the divine liturgy, which is their their terminology for mass right. in the Eastern Rite, um, is only celebrated on Sunday or on major feasts. Wow. Yeah, it's not something that they do uh, every day. They don't have that tradition. Whereas in the in the West, in the the Latin Church, we do have that tradition. Mm-hmm. Both traditions are, are really beautiful, and and I think there's a, a huge value to to both. Yeah. Um, but. Then you start saying, all right, what about the number of, of masses? Is it necessary to have multiples every day or multiples on, on Sunday? Yeah. So I'm, I'm just realizing it on a practical level that it's really important for us to have this conversation. Um, but I'm, I, what I'm hoping is that it can keep that conversation in a, in a communal key mm-hmm. that it's, it's, this is all of us. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not complaining about anything. Right. I hope. No, you're not. I, I'm trying not to. You're not. Uh, I want this to be something that no, all of us together uh, try to understand the the need.
1: Yeah, and the need right now is that you are technically the only priest we have.
0: Yeah. And. But that's the case in lots of places. Yes. And. Very... I, I think that if all together, all these different parishes are able to recognize, and this is this is not just in the diocese of Bridgeport, this is lots of places, mm-hmm. recognize that, we might have more masses than are necessary. Uh, so we're going to uh, have fewer masses. Mm-hmm. We'll spread them out still, mm-hmm. so that people are able to attend. We'll make it so that people can. We're not going to do like you know mass at one in the morning just to <laughs> just to annoy you, you know. <laughs> uh, but let that might let people uh, might let them still enter deeply into the mass, while also recognizing that. Uh, it's time to sometimes just take this little this little break, this little step back. Mm-hmm. But then if that frees up priests for more ministry, then it's then there's more contact mm-hmm. with people, which can then plant the seed for more vocations and help people recognize what the priesthood really is. Because if, like you said just a little while ago, that you looked at me that one day and I was dead.
1: It was, there yeah. Was, there
0: was a stretch last summer, right before I, I got away for, for a week, where I had nothing left. I was on fumes.
1: I think that's when I saw you. Yeah.
0: I had, yeah. I had no energy left. And actually, that you was, looked
1: at me without looking at me. I was like, whoa.
0: Yeah. And that was uh, so last summer when I went away to, to Montana for the week, that was the first time in my life that I ever wanted more than one week off. So this summer, I'm taking two weeks off. There you go. I had, I had never in my life experienced the need. Wow. And I got to the end of that week and I didn't want to come home. And it wasn't because I I don't like being, I love being here. Yeah, but it it was (laughs) was, a lot you were taking on. I just, I needed, I needed more time for that, that rest. Gosh, it was
1: also right after like the pandemic.
0: Yeah. I mean, all of that stuff, it It was was all kinds, like I had gone, yeah, the whole, the duration of the pandemic without leaving the parish except for three days. Yeah. I spent a, a, yeah, from March, 2020 until last August, I spent, I think, I think it was a grand total of, of three days minus my retreat. Like three days actually away from the parish. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. There was no, there was no time off. There was no, no getting away. Now part of that was just travel restrictions. You can't go anywhere. That mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But if I'm dead, you can't <laughs> and I, don't mean, I don't. I don't mean actually dead, but like, if just... I'm if I'm emotionally and spiritually dead, uh, then I'm not doing any good for for the parish. Mm-hmm. But if I'm, if I know that the whole community altogether. Mm-hmm. Has made these adjustments.
1: Yeah,
0: it's a hard adjustment, but it's hard for all of us. Mm-hmm. But all of us together making that adjustment, I know that, I know that we can get stronger. Yes. I yes. know that we can that we can build up again. Mm-hmm. And I know also then that by making those those adjustments, we're going to be able to keep things moving in the in the direction that they need, that they need to go. But that's the thing that's been on my mind because I'm looking at, ahead at the schedule and going, okay. There's, there's a lot going on. I'm really excited. We have a seminarian coming for the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick's going to do great here. We have a deacon who's just started with us, and and he's going to be getting started on, on a whole bunch of things, and it's going to be a huge help. Mm-hmm. It already has been a big help to me. Um, I'm just looking, though, at the availability of, of priests this summer to help cover the mass schedule. Yeah, that's... And the, the reality is that there's not that many guys available, and the time that my residents need to have for their own time away um, because they are entitled also to a break Mm -hmm. but also they have ministerial obligations this summer Mm -hmm. um, that will take them away from here and they don't have a ministerial obligation here whatever they do here for me is generous
1: Mm. it's a gift yeah
0: they they have agreed to assist me whenever they can
1: that's awesome and
0: they're incredibly generous with that you know but there's going to come that that time when when they've both got things
1: uh which they do (laughs)
0: Yeah, but yeah. if these two guys who I'm blessed to have living with me both have obligations elsewhere yeah, at the same time that I have an obligation somewhere, my first obligation is always to the parish. So whatever I have to do goes on hold mm-hmm. and I stay here. Mm-hmm. But even then, what happens if they both have to be gone on the same weekend? If they both have to be gone on the same weekend, I have to find another priest who's available for mass coverage. Mm-hmm there's not many of those guys available right now because every parish has this need. Yeah. So this is where I think if we start reimagining our mass schedules as a whole, not just our parish, but every parish, mm-hmm. let's, let's be more realistic so that there's less need for those guys covering.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's where, that's probably the direction that we've got to go, but then that's going to help us to get stronger with a lot of other things. Um, but it's kind of a fearful thing too. Change. I think. Well, the, no. The the last thing I'll I'll say about this, and then we 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 can wrap up. But I think there's there's a a bit of fear that I have because it, it's fear partly inspired by pride. If I had to make a change like this, mm-hmm. people are gonna think, oh, he's being lazy. Mm. Right. He doesn't he doesn't want to work very hard. Mm-hmm. Right? Partly it's pride. Oh, he has to change his mass schedule and he can't have as many masses. That's because uh, he's less. not doing a good job with his people, and people are leaving. Interesting, right? And there's there's pride there that mm-hmm. gets in my way, and I go, well,
1: mm. then I have to
0: make sure that that's not happening, and so I've got to I've got to keep going. That's okay. not necessarily a good move either, Mm-mm. right? Um, mm. There's also just that that fear of uh, people being feeling like I'm taking something away from them. Mm-mm like depriving them of of something that they, that they really need. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that there's any foundation for that fear, but I'd be lying if I said it wasn't there. Mm
1: -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Perfect love casts out all fear.
0: Hey, thanks. That's good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, those fears definitely make sense. They're all about you, (laughs) but like, at the end of the day, you're trying to be the best that you can be
0: for the community. Yeah. And and I think and... for for me, it's important to acknowledge the stuff in me. That's maybe getting in the way of me doing something mm-hmm. um, or just being honest about it. Yeah. Talking about it. Yeah. Because if, if I'm afraid uh, because of whatever, uh, then am I, am I really doing what's, what's necessary for this community? So like, it's a little bit, just get over that fear or, Admit the fear, acknowledge that it's there, and do it scared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Do it scared. Step out in faith.
0: That's that's it. The man.
1: Indiana Jones moment when he like walks off a cliff, but it turns out there's a there's a hidden walkway. Do you know that scene? It's like in like the last movie.
0: I've only seen one Indiana Jones movie.
1: Oh, never mind. Whichever the
0: first one is. Is that bad? <clears throat> I the mean I've ever seen?
1: No, it's not bad. It's okay. I've never watched Star Wars.
0: I'm, <laughs> I'm okay with that. It's
1: totally fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We have our things
0: we don't watch. But you know the one that always causes conflict? Which one? Sound of Music. Have you seen it? Never.
1: I don't really care that you haven't seen it.
0: That you might be the first person who doesn't care.
1: I didn't watch it until I was 18 and people so were people, freaking out about so it. So many
0: people care passionately about that. That I've never seen The Sound of Music.
1: I don't really care. They're
0: very passionate about it. I don't know why. Maybe because they don't know either.
1: they watched it probably as a kid. It's nostalgic for them. You missed out an opportunity to have this like beautiful <laughs> I nostalgic out on an opportunity. That's that's what it is. That's that's what they're talking about. Is you missed on an opportunity. You don't have like these good warm fuzzy feelings about this movie we would like for you to, this is what they try to do with me. This is why, (laughs) because I watched it at 18 and I was like, okay, like, that's fine. But they were so upset that I'd never seen it. I was like, I also grew up in a Colombian household. No one was going to play sound of music. Right.
0: Right. (laughs) Like it was salsa (laughs) and Selena. Okay. Like
1: that's what was on TV. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm trying to think of like, I'm trying to think of things that, that give me warm fuzzies now. I'm not, I'm not sure that that exists anymore.
1: No nostalgic like movie?
0: I don't know. I, I don't I don't know.
1: Okay. I would say there's two movies that kind of like, oh I'm super excited to see this. One of them just doesn't make sense. But I watched it so much as a kid that I really loved it. Okay. Armageddon. <laughs> okay. Just because it's funny, and I was like, oh yeah. man, I can't wait to like watch
0: this. And it's got that great Aerosmith song.
1: It does. That's yeah. it's the song. It's the song that gets I don't me. Wanna
0: miss a thing. I know, and
1: then I'm like crying at the end when the dad is like just giving his life for the entire world. And I'm like, ah. Uh! Like that for me sure. is, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm with you.
1: I don't really have anything else. I can't think of it
0: right now. I thought now. you had two movies. You saw um, Armageddon and
1: uh, you know what? I was gonna say the other one, but it's not really Warm and Fuzzy. It's only because
0: it just brings you back.
1: It kind of just brings me back. Like I like movies that kind of bring me back.
0: Okay, what, what what's the other movie that brings you back? Okay, the other one like Independence Day with Will Smith. Okay, so basically you like space movies. Apparently I do. Space movies where somehow Earth is in peril, and and astronauts and and pilots have to save the world.
1: Those are my favorite movies. Sure. I love war movies. Do you? I do. I love war and action movies.
0: Okay. I wouldn't have pegged you for liking war movies specifically. Action movies, sir. I think everybody likes <gasps> oh, No, I'm very,
1: okay. I'm very much interested in it, especially when it's like like all right, Saving Pirate Ryan. I like it. I love it. No, the Pianist know what, that makes, is but that really makes sense good.
0: Because you don't like comedy. That's not that you don't like comedy. So that makes sense. And I then you, that means you're not going to like rom-coms. So I, I, I liked
1: I liked rom-coms. I'm not into them anymore. There was like, okay, they're they're not that good. No, of course not. No, but like action movies and war movies in particular are my favorite to watch. Like the 1916, that movie that it came out a couple years ago, where it was filmed continuously. Hmm. Um. Did you did you I know? see it? Oh, it's it's about World War II, but it's just amazing just to kind of feel like you yourself yeah. are a soldier. Running with these guys and I'm like, oh my gosh, this they they did this. They've the been continuously movie I saw in
0: a theater. It's been a long time. I watched
1: Spider Man, it was great. Nice. Yeah, nice. that's it. So
0: All right. Well, let's figure it out. <laughs> We're going to figure it out. <laughs> the community, pray for vocations. The community
1: now knows we need pray to for
0: pray for vocations. vocations. Pray for vocations. Pray for vocations. Pray for Father Sam. Well, it, it, it's more pray for vocations. It really is. Though. It really is because yeah. God is calling so many people. He is God always. Is calling so many young men to the priesthood, and, and we just need to help them to hear it. Yeah. Um, but one of the ways I think we can help them to hear that, that call is when we make the when we make the life of a priest something that's more palatable yeah you know more attractive it's mm-hmm. great awesome <laughs> thanks paula all right i'm paula Pena. i'm father sam kachuba ver like the lamb